Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. When I was in high school, we got a call to our church from Lloyd Powell, the director of Camp Bayoka, saying that a couple of kids had to cancel out, a couple of counselors had to cancel out for a couple of weeks, the last couple of weeks of uh, camp. And he was looking for a couple of high school or college age kids to fill in as counselors for some eight, nine and 10 year old boys. And so me and another guy decided we'd volunteer. It was a couple of weeks till two a day practice started. So I had a couple, little bit of time to kill. And so uh, we decided to volunteer. Greatest mistake of my life. The uh, the, the, the first week, there's a bunch of shenanigans going on the whole time, but the first week, actually the second night I was there the first week, I've got them all in bed, it's bedtime, lights out, got them all in bed, I hear some rough rustling outside. Something that's a couple of knuckleheads trying to, you know, do some pranks or something. So I get up out of my bunk, lower bunk, right next to the door, walk out the front door, look around, don't see anybody, finally come back inside and I hear this snickering, giggling going on. I didn't think much about it. We fall off to sleep. Well, morning comes, reveille sounds, and it's time to get the kids up, get them, get them dressed, get them going. The three other top bunk, three of the top bunks, there's, there's eight in the cabin, four top bunks. Three of the top bunks, the kids start to get down, hit the rungs of the ladder up to the top bunk, slide off, hit the floor, splat. Well, long story short, it's one of the kids in the lower bunk stole some shampoo out of a suitcase and put the shampoo on the rungs of the of the bunks, top bunks. And those kids, nobody forcing was hurt, but this kid was crying because his feelings was hurt. So I see what's going on. I said, all right, time to fess up. Who did it? I do nothing. Who are you talking about? This kid, one of the kids that was kind of a whiner anyway, was over in the corner. I, 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 I fell on the top bunk and hit me. I said, you hurt? No, I'm not hurt. I, I didn't do anything. I said, well, anyway, long story short, it's my shampoo that they stole <laughs> to, grease, to grease the skids with. And so I said, all right, there's three lower bunks here because uh, I've got the fourth. One of you three did it. Either fess up or we all lose canteen time. Now, Canteen time is when you can go get a candy bar or some sweet tarts or bubble gum or what, you know. And uh, I said, everybody loses canteen time. This is where y'all fess up. You got five seconds. Nobody fesses up. They all lost canteen time. Their denial was stronger than their desire for a candy bar. And so that taught me a lesson that night. And I thought about that this past week of the extent we're willing to, to go to maintain a lie to deny the truth, even when it costs us something, something we want, something we would enjoy, but we still got to live the lie because we've got so much invested, so much mileage there. Turn to Matthew chapter 23. We'll look at this idea of sometimes getting stuck in denial and how that can cost us and how there's a remedy for that. Now, Matthew 23 is Jesus' uh, 
back and forth dialogue with, with the Pharisees about their, their denial of who they are, really. Uh, you, you, if you read the entire chapter, you'll see that. But it's, this, this chapter contains uh, the seven woes to, from Jesus to the Pharisees. And a woe, as you know, is basically a warning to say you're in trouble. You're about to, you're about to have some catastrophic consequences. So uh, wake up and pay attention. We're going to look at the last four woes of these seven woes today in verses 23 to 32. So join me there, if you will. Woe to you, teachers of the law, Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. You have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides. You strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to be people as appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You build tombs for the prophets, and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of the sin of your ancestors. Now, let's break this text apart. The first thing I want us to see today is that denial loses focus on what matters. It loses focus on what matters. Look at 23 and 24 again. It says, Woe to you, teachers of the law, Pharisees. You give the tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the, the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Uh, you strain out a gnat, he says in verse 24, and swallow a camel. Jesus was pointing out to them the fact that their priorities were out of whack. And we get that way sometimes. We don't mean to as believers, but our priorities get out of whack. We start prioritizing things ahead of our faith, ahead of our relationship with him ahead of the church, ahead of eternal things, and focused on, on temporal things. Everybody sees them carrying out these offerings, of, uh, carrying these offerings of their spices into the temple, but he says, uh, you're lacking justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Or, uh, those things are nowhere to be found. Uh, it reminds me of uh, the Tennessee Valley Fair. There's one coming up here fairly soon. There used to be, I don't know if there still is, because I hadn't been in a long time, it used to be across... Magnolia, the Midway, what we call the Midway. And that's where all the, the freak shows were. I mean, you go over the Midway and there's, you know, the woman with three heads and the guy, seven foot man. And, and, and uh, so I, I had, I think it was 50 cents in my pocket and, and it cost, I'd never been into one of those things. Decided to walk in, check it out. There's a guy out front, Carnival Barker out front. Come see the 800 pound lady that, yeah, so I thought, I've got to see this 800-pound lady. I walk, I pay my money, I walk in, and you, you're walking in, in, in a straight line, looking through a glass window that's about six foot wide by four foot tall. 
at this lady who's, she's heavy, but she's no 800 pounds. She's probably three, you know, at, at most, three, three, or three and 325. Sitting there eating, uh, eating cookies and drinking what looks like to be some Coca-Cola or something, just watching TV. And I'm thinking, I, I, I forked down 50 cents for this. First of all, she's not 800 pounds, and there's no show going on. I mean, she's sitting here on the other side of the glass in, in, in a lounge chair watching TV. She just got with every now and then just glance up at the people walking by on the back of her TV. And I thought, I, I threw down 50 cents for, for, for nothing. And so I learned a great lesson that day is you can't always trust what you, what, what, the advertising on the surface. You can't always trust the things you hear and the things you see. You've got to look behind the, behind the curtain sometimes to see the way it really is. Uh, people can usually pretty easily see where your, your priorities and my priorities lie by what we do with our time and what we do with our money. Our time will tell and our money will tell oftentimes where our priorities are. And we shared a couple of weeks ago about the judgment seat of Christ in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you'll remember that. And our, our priorities are will, will, certainly will be revealed in that day and in that time, what our priorities were in terms of what we did with our time, our talent, and our treasure. So uh, it begs this question, what do you have to show for what matters in your life? The things that matter to you if, if, that's, if they're really true, where's the evidence that those things matter to you? What do you have to show for that? As I said a couple of weeks ago, if all of the things we have to show for how our life is lived are tangible, things we can touch, we're likely not living out the will of God in our life. We're living out our own will instead of his. Um, he talks to them here about what matters, and it's justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And we need to adjust our priorities around those things that matter. Secondly, denial covers up what it's ashamed of. Denial covers up what it's ashamed of. Look at 25 and 26. He says, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and the outside will be clean. I have a saint of a mother-in-law who's, who's a tremendous lady who is in assisted li uh, living now with congestive heart failure. But she's got another disease. It's called the dish disease. She never saw a dish she didn't like. We were cleaning out a, a storage trailer, a 40-foot storage trailer that was parked at my house for uh, uh, some, some years while she lived out of town. Moved her back up here. Was cleaning that trailer out to see what she would keep and not. And, Slight exaggeration maybe, but it seemed to me that half the trailer was full of dishes. I mean, box after box after box after box, just another set of dishes, another set of dishes. And, and, and we ended up giving a lot of those away, but it just tore at her heart. I mean, she sat there in a chair as, we were, as, as her son and I and Leanne were un unloading the trailer of, you know, what's going to go, what's, what's, what, what, do you, what you're moving into a small condo, and you just got so much cabinet space, so much storage space, what's, what do you absolutely need to keep? And what can we give to Angelica or, or Carm or somebody, somebody else? And you can see with every dish we, we brought out of that place, it just tore her heart out to give that dish up because that was a precious thing to her. My wife has a small case of the dish disease, not near like her mother does, but, but she, she tends to love dishes as well. But we don't put them back in the cupboard without washing them. We wash the inside and outside. The dishes look nice in the cupboard. You can put a dirty dish back in the cupboard. It looks pretty decent, but who would do that? You wash dishes before you put them back in the cupboard. That's what he's talking about here. To say, listen, 
The inside of the dish is really what matters. That's the size of where the food's at. And that's corrupt. The inside of, the inside of you is corrupt. You, you're, you got a nice, gleaming, shiny outside, but inside it's, it's grease and food scraps and, 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 and things that, that are not, uh, shouldn't be taken in by someone. Uh, this this uh, d- description about the inside of their dishes is not very flattering. It looks like, but he describes it there though is the inside of your dish is greed and self-indulgence. Uh, it, it's, it's I, me, my, mine. That's what the inside of your dish, he says, looks like to these guys. And I heard a, a, a respected pastor recently say that before we can learn to give and receive love, that we have to first learn to love ourselves. I couldn't disagree more with that. I think we are so self-consumed in our culture. There, there, there's more self-love going on in our culture than I can think at any time that I've ever, I've ever lived. And the, the, the selfie generation is, uh, I think, indicative of that truth. But our problem is not to recognize that we need to go beyond our self-centeredness to, to clean that up so that we can have a clean cup from, from which to pour into someone else's life. If, if the inside of us is dirty, what we pour into someone else is going to be dirty as well. And so he said, we need to clean that up, clean the inside up, and so that we got something to give and pour into someone else's life. And we've got to get beyond our denial to do that. Got to get beyond our denial to do that. So denial covers up what it's ashamed of. Focuses on what matters, covers up what it's ashamed of. Thirdly, denial is more packaging than product. It's more packaging than product. Look at 27 and 28. He says there, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and of everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. On the outside, you appear to people as righteousness, but on the inside, full of hypocrisy and, uh, and wickedness. In biblical times, only the rich had tombs to entomb the dead. And only the richest of the rich would mix together this uh, mixture of salt and lye to make a white compost, more or less, that they would coat the outside of the tombs with. And this would just basically dress up the outside of the tomb to give it a more, a more pleasant uh, appearance. And so, as I say, it's, it's only the elite that had the means to do that. It's kind of like, uh, I guess, decorating graves with, with flowers in our day would be a, a similar parallel. And I, I've, I've told Leon, Leon this dozens of times. I said, after I'm gone, assuming the Lord doesn't come back beforehand, come quick, even today, Lord, come. Um, assuming I, I'm gone before he comes back, don't bring a bunch of flowers to my grave. I, please don't get offended if you're, if you're a grave taker, flower, flower taker to people's graves. Don't get, don't get bent out of shape about that. But I, I told her, I said, please don't do that. I'm gone. There's nobody there to bring the flowers to. It's, it's, a, it's a rock and some dead bones inside the ground. I'm gone. So re, uh, have your memories of me in your mind rather than, than, than bringing flowers to, waste, uh, wasted flowers to a grave. But that's, that's kind of the idea of what was going on here. He says, you're whitewashed tombs. You're the elite of the elite who think you're even more elite than you are. But inside, you're full of dead men's bones and, and all things of, uh, that are filthy. Uh, he says there that uh, a tomb is still a tomb. It does one thing, it houses dead things. And if you and I are compared to tombs, I wonder what, it, what is in us today. 
Uh, it's regardless of how much we try and improve the packaging, the inside product of a tomb is still the same. It's still dead men's bones, still decay. It's still filth, he says in this verse. Denial and, and, uh, and hypocrisy are rooted in lies. As, as I was describing the kids in the, in, in, at camp the other day, a few moments ago, they were so invested in the lie that they, none of them could fess up and they all lost their canteen time. Similar to that, he says, you're, you're so invested in the lie that the enemy wants you to think the lie is actually what's real. That, that, that the fake us, the faux us, is actually the real us. This is a, a faux leather pouch. Um, in fact, it looks, more, it looks better as a leather pouch, as a piece of leather than, than an actual leather jacket, black leather jacket I have. This is better looking leather than, than the black leather jacket, but it's as fake as a $3 bill. Um, sometimes we can package the outside to where it looks like the real thing. We can say the right things. We can come to church and, and, and have the right attitude. We can lift our hands in worship, say, thank you, God. But inside, there's a different us going on. There's, there's, a, different, there's a different motivation going on. There's a, there's a Monday to Saturday us, and there's a Sunday us. And he's saying here it's, uh, to the Pharisees and, and to us as well who are living in denial, don't get beyond, you got to get beyond the packaging to look at the product. Get beyond what, what, what you can see on the outside to get, to get to the real part on the inside. Here's the thing. Things should look better as people look deeper inside of us, not worse. I want you to hear that. As people get to know us better, they ought to be more impressed. They ought to, they ought to have greater admiration for the inside of us other than the outside of us. Is that true of you? First of all, are you transparent enough and honest enough and authentic enough to open up to you, the inside of you, to others around you? And when you are, is what they see greater on the inside than what's on the outside. When folks open us up like a bag of chips, it frustrates me to open up a bag of chips and it's half, the chips are half full, the rest of it's air. When people open us up, are the chips full to the top? Or are we half air, half, half blowhard, and the rest is substance? He's telling Pharisees and us today, what's on the inside matters far more than what's on the outside, more, more product and packaging. Denial focuses on what matters, loses focus on what matters. It covers up what we're ashamed of. It's more about packaging than product. But fourthly, denial tells a different story. It tells a different story. Look at 29 to 32 with me. He says, woe to you teachers of the law, Pharisees, you hypocrites. You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part in the shedding of blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your sin, the sin of your ancestors. Jesus is telling them here in verse 31 that if they don't like the truth about their past, they just make up a new past. <laughs> make up a totally different story. Change the story to, 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 uh, to one that they like. Um, uh, we have parts of our history in this country that as a white man, I'm not proud of. But rather than rewrite the, that history to write that part out, it's far better if we learn from our past than ignore our past or uh, assume we had something to, something to do with our past. Let's learn the lessons from it rather than ignore it and move on. He's saying that here. He said, you can't rewrite history. History is history, whether you ignore it or not. And honestly, there's very little history being taught in schools anymore. Real history. But history shouldn't be ignored, he says here. So what you were 
own up to it, learn from it, and move on from it, rather than ignoring and rewriting the story to, be, to become something different, where you look, you're, you're looking different. History should teach us some lessons that we become the wiser for, uh, rather than repeating the same mistakes over and over again. These Pharisees, these elitists, chose to deny, chose to change the story to one that they liked better, made them look a little better, rather than live in the truth of it, own it, and learn from it. Uh, we've, we have a lot of things in our past, probably all of us, that we're, we're not too thrilled about. But it's far greater if we learn from those lessons and change and not repeat multi-generational sin and multi-generational mistakes rather than ignore those things and expect a, a different result in the end. When we live in denial, we become weaker, we become more selfish, more self-consumed than living transparently and authentically and learning from the mis mistakes we've made in the past. It's easier said than done. I get it. I understand that. Uh, it's, it's difficult to own up to mistakes we've made in the past, learn from them, and move on. Yet, that's what he's calling us to do here, uh, to move beyond denial and not get stuck there and try and shovel those things un under the rug. As we wrap up, if you're stuck in denial, step one is admitting it. And that's usually for most the most difficult step, is admitting I'm in denial. I'm not seeing the inside of me. And certainly, because I don't want to see it, I'm certainly not going to show it to someone else, anyone else. I'm going to keep that part of me covered up. I'm going to work on the packaging, and less on the product of what's on the inside. And I'm choosing to walk in denial, and I'm stuck there because... I'm not willing to admit it. So step number one is admitting I'm living in denial and probably have been for decades. What needs to happen? Well, step number two says the next steps are choosing to live a more transparent and more authentic life, allowing others to see the warts, allowing others to see the scars, to see the things. Because here, here's the reality. Every person in this room is broken at some level, some worse than others, some more transparent about it than others are, we're all a broken mess. Some of us are redeemed broken. Some of us aren't. But we're all broken at some level. And as we ignore the, that brokenness and think, you know, I don't, I don't want to dredge that up. I don't want to relive it. I don't want to, I don't want to regurgitate that. I don't want, certainly don't want to expose. What we lose is the lessons that come from the brokenness and the lessons others learn from our yielding to that and living, choosing to move beyond the brokenness and live in victory with him because we're not choosing to stay in denial. Um, that transparency and authenticity are, are hard things to do but it's I think what he calls us to do because here's, here's what's in reality the deeper someone looks at you the more substance they should see not the less is that true of you? as, if you, as, you, give, as you pull back the hurt curtain and give, give it your world a behind the scenes view is there more substance to what they see inside than what the packaging says outside are the chips full to the top or are you more air than anything else? Uh, some folks choose to stay in denial, and, and denial is, is a harder unstuck for many because it's been going on a long, long time. I've been choosing to look at my life through a different lens and ignore what I've been or ignore what I was for a long, <clears throat> a long, long time rather than get it out in the open, deal with it, confess it, learn from it, and move to a deeper place, move to a more substantive place. As we're willing to expose the inside of us, there should be more to see. Is that true of you? Let's pray. Father, today, um, many of us 
probably walked in this room not thinking we were living in denial, but as we look at the Spirit's exposing those things through a message like this, through the Scripture like this, we must come to grips and be honest with the fact that there, there's times that we're not truthful. We're not authentic. We're not real. We're not transparent. And because of that, we're living a lie. We didn't willingly walk down that road, but we wake up days, weeks, months, decades later and find ourselves to be living a lie that we never intended to start in the first place. So would you, first of all, help us today to admit that to you, to make this time and place a place where we, we come to grips with the fact that we are indeed living a lie and are living in, continue to live, live in denial. As, we, as you expose that in our hearts today, would you call, give us the courage to, to, to draw a line in the sand to say, today, things are going to change. My heart's going to change. My will's going to change. The things I desire out of life's going to change. My honesty with, with my world around me is going to change. And I'm going to take a step today in that direction. I'm going to get up tomorrow needing your help to do the same thing. And Tuesday, needing your help to do the same thing. And, and the next day, and the day after that. Because, Father... All is going to be revealed as we stand before you one of these days anyway. Why not be honest with each other here? Why not be honest with, with you here and each other here to say, here's my life, brokenness and all, uh, sin and all, defeat and all, regrets and all, and I want to learn from those and move to a deeper place that God's called me to. I want to move to a more substantive place to where people look on the inside of me, there's more to see than what they see on the surface. And there's more desire. They, they have a greater desire to, to see the things that are, that are true and real with me than the things I've put a facade on for years and shined up that, that really weren't all that good in the first place. The faux us is, is not the us that you see. It shouldn't be the us that others see as well. Let's show them the real thing and show them the real development, the real growth, the real faith, the real mercy, the real justice that you called us to. Do those things in our hearts today such that we leave here in a different place with different attitudes, different desires, more authentic, more honest, more real, more open, more true than when we walked in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to today's message from Cross Point Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ. 